Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Heart of Dating podcast today. Guys, it has been three weeks since my book, Thank You for Rejecting Me, came out into the world, and it is still surreal. Like, three weeks later, I still can't believe that you guys have the books in your hands and you are reading my stories. My gosh, it is it is the most beautiful and crazy experience of my entire life. And if you miss the news, you guys, I just have to share this with you because it's so exciting, but Thank You for Rejecting Me is a national best-selling book. You guys, what the heck? This is quite literally the most surreal experience of my entire life. I went into book launch week with the prayer to God saying, God, I want to surrender to the process of this book launch and not be controlled by the process. And with that prayer, I surrendered the clout and the lists and the popularity and the prestige, any and all of it. I just gave it to God. I prayed to be released to whatever God wanted to do. And guys, this is a big deal for me as an Enneagram 3 because I am an achiever and I like to really put my all into things. But I actually believe putting your all into something and surrendering the process is the most beautiful thing that gives the glory to God. Honestly, the true victory has already been won in the mere fact that the words on the pages of Thank You for Rejecting Me have been written. And in case you guys didn't know, this book was dedicated to you. Here's what the dedication says. For my amazing Heart of Dating community, I never would have had the courage to speak publicly on these pages without you guys rallying behind me. Thank you for listening, contributing, sharing your own stories, and believing in me. I truly consider you family. We are in this boat together. Oh, you guys, I mean every word of that. Thank you for everything. My heart is completely and totally overwhelmed. And to the person listening to this that's in pain thinking, well, gosh, Kate, good for you, but that can never be me. Friend, I just want to speak to you. Yes, it can. God wants to turn your pain into purpose. Whatever it looks like today or whatever it looked like in the past, do not give up on yourself. Fight for yourself. Fight for your healing. Friend, you are perfectly worthy and you are made for wondrous things. If you listen to this podcast and want to support my ministry here at Heart of Dating, would you consider ordering my book or even getting it on Audible on an audiobook version? Because you guys, indeed, I recorded this with my own voice. And so if you like this podcast, I think you just might like the audiobook version. All right, let's get into today's episode. I was recently on my friend Jamie Ivey's podcast, The Happy Hour, which guys was such a fun interview and her podcast, The Happy Hour, is just popping and it was such an honor to be on with Jamie. So go ahead and check that out. It's such a good interview. But during this time, I also found out that Jamie and her husband Aaron were launching a set of books called Compliment, The Surprising Beauty of Choosing Together Over Separate in Marriage. And what I love about this book duo that they just released is that Aaron wrote one of the books and then Jamie wrote the other books and together they actually complement one another so well. 
See what I did there? Compliment, right? <laughs> and though these books can be for married couples, I also think that they are perfect for single and dating couples as well because you guys, this is the time that we should learn and grow. Let's not wait until we are married to learn all the things we need to know. Let's start studying right now. Let's start preparing ourselves for the kind of marriage that we want one day. So today, I brought Jamie and Aaron on to have a conversation about what love really is, the reality of marriage, and we also talk about gender roles. Yes, folks, we are going there in this one as we bring up Ephesians 5. So buckle up because it is happening today on the Heart of Dating podcast. Aaron Ivey is the pastor of worship and creativity at the Austin Stone in Austin, Texas, where he leads a team of creatives that he claims are hands down the best creatives in the world. He's been leading worship for over two decades and takes great joy in introducing people to Jesus. He is the author of Steal Away Home, a songwriter, artist, elder, father, husband, and mentor, and has a deep love for his family and community. Jamie Ivey has been running Ivy Media for seven years, where she creates and produces two podcasts and a YouTube show. The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast launched in 2014 from her dining room table, where she interviewed her friends and thought only her mom and Aaron would listen. It has gone on to have over 30 million downloads, and she has interviewed over 400 guests. In 2020, Aaron and Jamie together launched their podcast, On the Other Side. In 2018, Jamie released If You Only Knew, and in 2020, she released You Be You. In 2021, she will be releasing The Jamie Ivy Show on YouTube. You guys, I love this conversation with Jamie and Aaron. They are such a powerhouse couple, and it's so fun to talk to couples that you actually want to be more like one day. You guys are going to love this conversation. Let's get on into the fire and the heat and all of the wisdom that Jamie and Aaron Ivy have to share with us today. Oh my gosh, Jamie and Aaron Ivy, what's up, you guys? Hey, how's it going? Hi, <laughs> hi again. I feel like I'm saying hi to you again, like we just hung out. I know, right, girl? We did just a yeah. few weeks ago. It was yeah. so fun. Yes. I love that conversation on the happy hour. And Aaron, ha- welcome to the party. Thank now you. it's not just a girl's day. Yeah, I'm glad I got invited. <laughs> I'm glad I got invited to this little party. <laughs> well, we're so excited to have you guys on uh, to talk about something you just came out with. But before we we talk a little bit about that on this fun dating podcast, y'all, I love learning from people who are married, by the way. This is good. It's fun, okay. Uh, and Jamie had me on your podcast and I'm talking, to, but even dating advice still applies to married people. And so I love how it can yeah. be, work yeah. both ways. So will you guys just introduce yourselves for my people so they get to know you a little bit better if they don't already? Yeah, thank you for having us. I'm Jamie and um been married to my husband Aaron for almost 20 years. We'll celebrate 20 years this summer, which is crazy. And like you said, I'm a podcast host. I have a show called The Happy Hour, which Woo. you were just a guest on, which was so great to have you on the show. Um, written some books and host a YouTube show, and we have four kids together. So that is our that's me in a nutshell. Yep, and I'm Aaron. And I have the privilege of being Jamie Ami's husband, and I'm also a songwriter and a pastor at a church here in Austin called the Austin Stone. 
I love it. Okay, so y'all wrote a book together. This is amazing. I can't even imagine. I just came out with the book, and just writing it alone is a process. I can't even imagine trying to get like somebody else input or writing alongside of somebody. <laughs> I mean, I felt maybe like I was doing that with my editor. I was like, are we in like a relationship right now? Because like right. we're fighting, right. totally. and then I have totally. to make compromises for her and all of the things, you know. But tell us a little bit about um, writing this book compliment and your heart behind it and what it's all about. Yeah, well, we kind of had that fear walking into it too. We had never written a book together. Both of us have written books individually. <laughs> yes. So we're like, how is this going to work? So we decided to write two books, two separate books. So when you buy the book compliment, you actually get compliment by Jamie and compliment by Aaron. Woo! And we did not collaborate or read each other's books until we sent it to the editor <gasps> because we wanted the reader to have kind of the raw version no of way. my perspective on how I'm supposed to compliment Jamie. And then you get Jamie's really raw perspective on how she compliments me in marriage. Wow. And so we were actually kind of worried like, oh, I hope the stories line up. I <laughs> yeah. hope we're saying the same thing. Uh, but yeah, I didn't read Jamie's until uh, she sent it to the editor. So that, I guess the way we wrote it together is we didn't write That's it exactly together. Right. I was like, <laughs> we actually didn't ask each other's opinions. Not at all. We just wrote, we knew our 10 chapters. So we have the same chapter titles, you know, like love and serve and cheer, fight, forgive. There's 10 of those. And so we knew where we were going. And then really, we just did it by ourselves, mm -hmm. which I think a part of it was just like, okay, this is how we both work well. You know, like we're just going to put our head down and work. But also, like Aaron said, we wanted this to be so much like you're getting exactly what I would say without figuring out, does this match up with what Aaron says? Yeah. And so yeah. thankfully, we <laughs> the truths of the gospel were true in both uh, copies. But even our opinions and ideas are sometimes a little bit different. You know, there are a lot alike. I mean, we've been married for 20 years. Oh, my gosh. But <laughs> we wanted it to be what we thought about right, each thing. Right. Oh, guys, I did not know that. And that's really cool because I read both of it. And and it the stories are like similar but different. And that's why I love it because I can read your version, Aaron, and then I can read your version, Jamie, of the same topic. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel enriched in both ways, yeah. like reading both sides. So oh, that's really that's cool. That's awesome. That's our hope. Yeah, that makes sense, though. Know, that you and that probably is helpful to like do it separately and then you you probably avoided some other weird married conflict within that <laughs> like just having to overlook each other's stuff yeah I tried to leave out any dates or details you know yes. because I'm not a detail person so I knew Jamie would like call me out if I got like a date wrong or what, what the restaurant we had our first date at so I left all that out just to play it safe <laughs> That's right. I love that. Uh, okay, you guys. Well, I'm super excited. We love learning from married people here on the podcast. And, you know, this is a dating podcast. So we have lots of singles listening and a lot of dating people listening. So first of all, before we get into some of these questions and hot topics, we'd love to hear your guys' perspective on how compliment these two books can really help people in their single and dating lives. Yeah. I mean, I think for me in particular is when Aaron and I were dating and I was thinking about marriage and looking forward to what that might be like in my life. For me, what I really hoped marriage would do is that it would make me happy, mm. that it, uh, that Aaron would uh, not compliment me, that he would complete me. Like, right. you, you, you know, remember the Jerry yes. McGuire oh. scene where, you know, he looks at her and he's like, you complete me. That's what I wanted in a husband, in a marriage, in a relationship. And honestly, for us, our first couple of years of marriage were so much fun and so easy. We didn't have those early fighting things. But what I've discovered is the longer we've been married is that like me trying to get Aaron to complete me as followers of Jesus, we know that Aaron can't ever do that for me. And like he wasn't built to do that for me. He wasn't created to do that for me. And so me putting all that pressure on him 
is not fair for me or him either. And so I think what I looked at marriage going in was I'm going to find a man who's going to make me happy 24 seven. And I'm, we're never going to fight. We're never going to, I'm never going to get hurt. We're just going to be happy all the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that didn't happen. That didn't happen. While we think marriage is fun and exciting and we are happy a lot of the times, that's not what actually marriage is. So for me as a single person, I wanted someone to complete me and make me happy. Yeah. I think that's something that we're we're even like kind of taught, you know, is like find somebody that you're going to be, um, that's going to come alongside you and you'll finally find your soulmate and that person will complete you. And so we almost set ourselves up for failure when we're dating. Yeah. And that's why we encourage, we have a lot of friends in our life that are in dating season right now, 20 to 29 year olds that might be dating. And one of the things that we always encourage them to do is, uh, before you're dating and then even while you're dating, making sure that you're finding like your whole identity in Jesus alone and that you are a, a whole person by yourself, not needing anybody else to complete you or, um, to, you know, to fill that gap that you might feel, but just to be a, a confident man of God, a confident woman that loves God. Um, and then when you do that and then you find somebody else that's also really just like filled up and whole, uh, like finding their identity in Christ, then that's when it works. That's when dating works. And that's when that's when marriage works, too. And if you kind of get that out of balance, then the other person becomes like almost an idol in your life. It becomes like a, a, a little G God in your life. And it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work well at all. Yeah, that's so good. It's there's what I've tried to like share with people exactly to y'all's point is there. If you think that marriage is going to make you all happy, make all your problems, disappear, there is no person on the planet that could make you happy for the rest of your life. Like there really isn't. You have to first be happy with yourself, which I think is why singleness and the season of dating is so important in our lives. But this is a stigma that really, really exists, what you guys are tapping into. And you say this in chapter one, you say real life doesn't always feel like new love. And so that I love that you guys have such a great, fun marriage. You have a lot of fun. And there's certainly people who like to, you know, hammer it in that marriage is so hard and it sucks. But I just don't think that there's, it's all hard or it's all happy go lucky. I think there's a balance. And what you see a lot of singles, or I see a lot of singles like putting, marriage on a pedestal. Like it's this pinnacle that I need it to then feel like I'm fulfilled, to then feel like I'm happy. Uh, And would you guys be able to speak to some of that for a minute for some of the singles that, you know, maybe some real talk on uh, removing marriage from the pedestal in their lives? Yeah. Well, you're so right. There's a purpose in singleness and there's a purpose for dating. There's a purpose for engagement. And those things are setting you up if marriage is in the cards for you to actually do those relationships really well. And the thing that has to kind of get you through all of that is contentment. I mean, being content as a single person is super important, not to be just like always looking forward or longing or wishing that you were in a different season, but being content in that season. Uh, And then when you get to dating, you know, being content with dating, not talking about marriage all the time and not not even talking about it at all when you're dating, but just dating because you are in love with your friend, you know, and then when you get to engagement, not rushing ahead too too far, but being content in every season uh, is is important, not just in singleness. Jamie and I have to be content in marriage. That's how you keep yourself from wondering and having an eye that's looking for somebody else or something else, you know, that you think would be better or more thrilling. It's like contentment is this thread that goes through every single season that if you skip over, you're always going to be in trouble, always. I think too, like um, one of the things that, 
a friend told me this one time. She said, I thought that when I got married that I would never be hurt by a boy ever again. And she said, and actually I've been hurt more by my husband than anyone else. And she wasn't saying that her husband was bad. They have a phenomenal marriage. Yeah. But what she was saying was it was such deeper now and there was so much more on the line. And so I think that a lot of times we can, like I said earlier, go into marriage thinking this is going to fix me and this is going to fix all my problems. Mm. And the reality is that you're mm. two broken people, two people who in our own desires would look out for our own good all the time coming together and then we are unified and wanting to, you know, make God known more through our marriage, which is, you know, the point of our marriage right here is for, for people to see Jesus. And we just have to remember that we do have an example of a great marriage, even in our savior, Jesus, like he was never married, but every concept that we even walk through in this book, Jesus is our example. Like, yeah. how do I serve Aaron? Well, I look more like Jesus. How do I follow his lead? I look more like Jesus who fathered his father. How do I lead sometimes in a marriage? I look more like Jesus. And so I think there's this idea that we get married and then everything's perfect, but marriage takes work even to make it awesome. It takes work. So if it's hard, it takes yeah. work. If it's awesome, it takes work. And so that's what one of the things we want to encourage people with this book is just to, to be willing to put in the work because it's worth it. Oh, you guys, that's so good. Now, the books are called Compliment, and I love that you talk, Erin, this is in your specific version of the book, you talk about this idea of complimenting one another in a relationship, but as you pointed out, as um, as it relates to kind of colors of a painting coming together to create some sort of gorgeous masterpiece of a painting and yeah. that finding somebody to do life with isn't just about finding someone who's like the same color as you or even melding your colors together to gen then become the same color, you know, and not having your own unique desires right, right. or like things on the side. It's really about admiring the uniqueness in one another and complimenting and, and respecting the beauty that already exists in each one. So I, I love this concept. And I think that we are often losing this when we are going into dating. So I'd love for you guys to just kind of poke that out a yeah. little bit more for us. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I do love the analogy of complementary colors because, you know, there are some colors that just they when they come together, they actually make something way more beautiful than one color would be on their own. Or you think about flavors, like if you're into cooking and great food, um, there are combinations of flavors that that come together and it creates something way more savory than one individual would be on its own. And that's the same thing with dating and with being married. Hopefully you're looking for somebody that isn't just like you, but not so opposite of you that you don't work together and you don't like bring out the best in each other. And so when we talk about compliment, the goal really is for me to bring out the best in Jamie, to not squash her, to not not a flattened out version of Jamie. So she fits with me, but for me to bring out the very, very best in her and for her to bring out the very best in Aaron. So hopefully when you're seeing Aaron and Jamie together, you're actually getting a a more beautiful picture than you would ever get if you were just meeting Aaron or you were just meeting Jamie. And as you're dating, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for somebody who pulls the best out of you. So many times in dating, there's this temptation to kind of like flatten each other out, you know? Um, so you get kind of this bland version of each other. But if you're in a really healthy, thriving dating relationship, it's actually better for the individuals. And what people get from that couple is like a more extraordinary thing that they're around you know they get the best of that person and the best of the other person and if you can find that when you're dating it'll be a really beautiful thing when you're dating and if it turns into marriage there's a lot of power in that like people are affected by that you have the ability to like actually be um on mission in your life and so when people are around your family 
uh, they're getting more of the picture of God and more picture of like who he is because they're getting two distinct personalities that are coming together and complementing each other. That's so good. You guys also talk, I mean, you just touched on it, Aaron. So that's why I want to bring it up now, actually. But you talk in the books about being on mission together and something I'm really passionate about. I think uh, if you've ever read, Gary Thomas wrote a book, he wrote The Sacred Marriage, but he also wrote this book, The Sacred Search. And I love it. It's so good. So The Sacred Search is more for dating people. And um, But he talks about like the whole book is about let's get away from infatuation and just all the feels. It, you can have the but really at the core, why are you dating? You're dating to be married and why are you getting married? You know, you're getting married to really serve God, hopefully. But I think we lose that in the dating process and we kind of just are like, what makes me feel good, right? And coming back, like, how do I, how do I feel around this person? Yes, pay attention to how you feel around the person, but it's not all just that, that it's really for something grander than just how does this person make me feel? So would you guys talk a little bit about, you know, in complimenting one another, what it looks like to really kind of move towards being on mission for Christ? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that people forget even when they're dating because there is that, you know, infatuation and there are those feelings. There's that butterfly in your stomach. There's the, oh my gosh, I've never felt this way when I've been around someone before feelings. And those aren't bad at all. They're great. Uh, but I would say, and I think Aaron would say this too, those feelings are not strong enough to build a marriage on because um, what we know is, you know, life is hard. You know, there are cancer diagnoses, there are lost jobs, there are lost children, there, there are, you know, hurricanes, and there are things that come into people's lives uh, that make it difficult. And so marriage, when it's built on, oh, this is how I feel when I'm around you, that gets more difficult the longer you're married, the older you live, and the more trials that you go through. Yeah. But if you're building a marriage on this common mission, this common goal, and I would even go deeper and say building that marriage on a friendship that can sustain the test of those trials because friendship can sustain more trials than infatuation can stand. Uh, if you're building your marriage on that, you're going to see that you have this common goal. And for us, you know, we think about we're on a mission together. And a lot of people will look at Aaron and I's lives and say, you guys are, how are you on a mission together? You're doing so many different things. Aaron's a pastor and a songwriter and, and I have a podcast and talk to people for a living Yet at the end of the day, both of us have the same mission in life. And that is that we want to use everything about our lives, everything about our home, everything about our family and our jobs to point people to Jesus. So our goal is for more people to know him and know his love. Yeah. So that's our common mission and it affects everything we do. We think through that when we think about who are we inviting into our home. We think through that when we think, who are we going on vacation with? I mean, it just affects everything yeah, that we do. Yeah. And so I think it's important when people are, especially dating, since we're speaking to your audience and I'm so excited for them to think through this, but in those dating relationships to think, man, when I look at this person, when I'm around this person, is there anything more than me just thinking that like, I feel like they're hot and I like looking at them. Is there anything deeper than that? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. if it's not deeper, I think you need to find, you know, that maybe that's just, you know, a fling. But when you can look at a person and say, man, I would go on mission with this person. Right. I would live life with this person. I want to change the world with this person. 
that's when you get to where you're thinking, this is someone I could marry. Right. That's so good. You know, I just was talking about this with my friend. Oh, Jamie, you're good friends with Tony Collier too. Yes, but, I love Tony. Uh, I love Tony. So we were just talking about this recently. And uh, Tony, you know, she's been on the podcast as well. I think two months ago she was on, but she talks about, you know, she was previously married and her marriage was very toxic. And we talk about this idea and I feel like it's kind of what you're bringing up too, that you can't just marry the potential in somebody thinking that maybe Maybe one day they're going to be somebody that I want to be on mission with, you know, like maybe one day um, they have a lot of potential and like maybe, maybe they're, they're going to get there. So I'm going to stick with it with this person because like I can see that they just have so much potential. And while I believe that we all are growing, we all are growing into something, we're all becoming somebody, right? there still needs to be this basis of they need to be, you need to be seeing enough fruit in their life right now that they're moving in the direction of becoming something that you want to partner with. Because we Mm -hmm. so often as singles and dating people, we're like, we are latching on to this idea of, well, I mean, maybe, yes, I can be on mission with them, like, eventually, like, they just have to get through X, Y, Z things, they have to go to, Mm -hmm. you know, they have to work through all these things first. And I just think that, we need to consider that it's not just about how somebody makes us feel. And it's not just about, we really need to think, who are they right now in this moment? And who are they starting to become, right? Uh, so I just wanted to bring that up because as you're saying that, this is so important. You know, we, do, we don't do that in other areas of our lives. You know, like in our dating relationships, we will kind of, I'll use the word settle even and go, I mean, I think one day they'll be great. But we don't do that when we order food at a restaurant. We don't do that <laughs> when, when we're looking for jobs. Yes. We don't do that when we're buying a car. <laughs> uh, you know, like if my sons were trying out for the baseball team, the coach wouldn't be like, I think he has potential. I'm going to give him a spot on the team. No, they're going to give that spot to someone who actually can play baseball. <laughs> right. right. And so I think I just want to encourage the people that are listening is to think, man, you don't have to settle because you think one day they might be okay. Like, and you know what? I was really encouraged by what you said when you were on my show and you said, hey, write down all the things that you bring into a relationship. And I think that's so helpful for people to think, man, I do bring something to the table. And so I don't need to wait on them to potentially be on mission with me. I want someone who I can look at right now and say, we're going to be on mission together. It's going to look different now when we're this age. It'll look different when we're 50 and 60, but we're going to do it together. Yeah. And even if you step back before that question of, can I do mission with this person? And then the first question you got to ask is, what is my mission? Like, what am I put here on the planet to Ooh, do? Yes, and then just go mm-hmm. do that. Like, don't wait around for somebody to do it with you. But as a single person, you have the same Holy Spirit as a married person. You've got the power to do all the things that God has like called you and wired you, created you to do. You've been put on the planet for a reason. So just go do it. Don't yeah. worry about who's going to do it with you. Just go do that. And then, then you get to ask the question, okay, if dating is in the cards for me or marriage, then is there anybody else around me that's doing the same sort of mission, that's into the same things, that's focused on the same sort of thing of changing the world and taking Jesus everywhere we go? That's when you ask the question of, is this person somebody I want to do mission with? But you got to start with, what am I put here on the planet to do? God made me. He created me. He gave me vision, gave me talents and abilities, and just go do it. 
Yeah, that's, oh, I love that point, Erin, because so often as singles, we go into dating and we're like, I want a person with all these different things and looking for it. And I'm like, and I want them to be look like passionate about these elements. And I'm like, well, what are you passionate about? Where, where is your life right. going? Right. Like, I love, right. okay, I'm just going to mm-hmm. call out some of the females over here. The females were at the date and we are like, what is his bank account and his 401k and like, what car <laughs> does he drive? And I'm like, girl, yep. what about you, girl? What's your bank account and 401k? And like, blah, blah, blah. Not that it's just about those things, but the point is that we need to also turn the finger on ourselves and say like, well, if I want somebody who is on mission, who loves God, who's a leader, what am I doing to do be a leader, to be on mission That's for right. God right yeah. now in my life? You know, like the empowerment can start right here. I love that, you guys. Okay, my friends, I have to be real with you right now. I used to work in fashion, but when COVID-19 hit, my entire wardrobe shifted from all my cute outfits into athleisure and sweatpants. Now, I am here for all the comfy attire, okay? But seriously, Lululemon has been taking all of my money and your girl needs to be on a budget. This is where I want to share with you an app that I discovered that is saving my life and my budget right now. They have comfy clothes like Lululemon and so many other brands, but all for thrift store prices. Nope, y'all, this is not a drill. This is real life. What's your closet missing? Maybe some fun tie-dye, some Lululemon leggings or joggers, some Madewell. Whatever you're looking for, the app Curtsy has the latest styles you actually want, all at price points that you can afford. With the Curtsy app, you get thrift store prices delivered to your door. I literally just bought my favorite joggers from Lululemon that are normally $120 for literally 35% off. And you guys, they have tags and have never been worn. I also got my favorite tank, the Align tank for $40 and it's normally $65. Also, it's never been worn and still has the tags. So if you want a sustainable way to get your favorite brands like Lululemon, Madewell, Lulu's, so many others delivered directly to your door, I want to encourage you to download the Curtsy app today and enter promo code HEART for 15% off your first order. All you have to do is search Curtsy in the app store, which is spelled C-U-R-T-S-Y, and enter promo code HEART for 15% off your first order. So go ahead right now, go to the app store, download the Curtsy app and enter promo code HEART and you'll be able to get a discount on all of your favorite styles for thrift store prices. I know I'm saving your life right now and your wallet. You can thank me later. Hey friends, as you know, I'm in my 30s and yet to be married. And in fact, many of you know that earlier in 2020, I went through a breakup with a man that I thought I was going to marry. As I was healing from that breakup, I also had to grieve the future life I thought I'd have with that man, including the future kids we talked about having. The reality is a family is very much something that I desire, but since I'm in my early 30s, it has crossed my mind a time or two to look into my fertility. Now, if you're curious like me about your fertility and want to stop being anxious about something you truly have no idea about, then I want to share with you a brand I recently discovered. It's called Modern Fertility. Did you know that a simple finger prick can unlock tons of insight into your reproductive health? I'm talking egg count, menopause timing, if your hormone levels indicate conditions like thyroid disorders or PCOS, all things that are good to know whether or not kids are in your future. There's so much about fertility that's a complete mystery. That's where the modern fertility hormone test comes in. 
Think of your fertility hormones as tiny detectives. They can bring you tons of insight into your egg count, reproductive timeline, and even possible outcomes for egg freezing and IVF. Everything you need to know to get proactive about your fertility. And guess what makes it all even easier, y'all? Modern fertility is done all at home. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. You have to mail it in with a prepaid label, and then you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the exact same information. And guess what's even more, y'all? Right now, Modern Fertility is offering Heart of Dating listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash heart. That means your test will only cost $139 instead of the hundreds or even thousands of dollars it could cost at a doctor's office. You'll get important insights into how many eggs you have, your hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can even talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you do want kids today, or maybe one day in the future, you really need information to make the decision that's best for you. So you can get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash heart. That's modernfertility.com slash heart. You guys, I really have enjoyed Modern Fertility, and I hope that you do as well. We are going to, in a second, get into Ephesians 5 because my audience is going to love this. But before we get into Ephesians 5 and what you guys talk about (laughs) in your book, uh, I want to touch quickly on love. I think that we don't really know uh, what intimate love is in a lot of ways as singles. And I don't want to say that... singles haven't experienced it. But I think that in some ways we uh, throw the word love around a lot. Like I love chocolate. I love my coffee in the morning. Mm. I love this person I just met and I've just already tell them I love you. Oh, I just love you, girl. You know, we use the word love for everything these days (laughs) and it's diluted in some ways the actual meaning of what it means to say, I love you. And what you guys say in the book that I love is that love is both a noun and a verb and uh, it doesn't change when the relationship, it shouldn't be changing when the relationship gets hard, right? Because it's something that you fight for. But what are some things that you guys think that singles really do need to know about love that may in turn shape how they end up dating? Yeah, I think first of all, and this is the part that I write about in my book is I didn't really understand how to love anybody because I didn't believe that God loved me. And until you fully embrace and you fully believe that you are unconditionally, unchangeably loved by God, it is impossible to ever love somebody without expectation of return, uh, to love them through the hard stuff, the the really difficult seasons. So it starts there, just like truly like receiving the love of God and believing that nothing can change the fact that he is for you, that he loves you. And I had to get to the place where I believed that first before any dating relationships could ever work. And even as Jamie and I were dating, there was a season where Jamie kind of called me out and she's like, you know, I, I think that you like me, but I, I don't I don't know that you're you're showing it like, you know, it doesn't feel like you love me. It doesn't feel like you like me. And it, she was right. I didn't know how to love her because at that point, I didn't really believe that God liked me, loved me, mm. would accept me, could ever use me. And mm. so I think when you start to kind of 
really receive and grasp this concept that you are deeply loved by God and that nothing can change it. And it has nothing to do with you and what you do or what you don't do, but it's just this unmerited grace that he gives you. Then you're able to love somebody with that kind of love. And so hopefully the kind of love that I'm able to give to Jamie is that unconditional, unchangeable, doesn't matter what she does or what she doesn't do. I'm able to love her that way because I've been loved by God that way. And, you know, to try to muster up that kind of love is impossible. You'll always fail. But when you really do receive it, then you're able to give it to your, the person you're dating or your, your spouse. Yeah. And I, you know, I think one of the things that we think about love is that it's just easy. Like I just, you know, it is easy for me to love coffee. I drink coffee every morning. I love coffee, but then (laughs) you throw in people and sometimes it's not that easy to love them because they upset you. They hurt you. They break promises. They let you down. All of the things that people do that I do, that we all do. And I know that we hear a lot at, at weddings, like 1 Corinthians 13. And when Paul wrote that to the church in Corinth, it wasn't about marriage. It was about the people within the church. But we can still take that. If he's saying, treat each other in the church like this, then how much more would that be for me to treat my husband this way? You know, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not jealousy. Love does not look out for its own good. And so you think about all those things. And for me to be patient with my husband, that's loving him. That takes work on my part because I'm not Mm. always a patient person. And so I have to choose to be patient for me to choose to not be jealous of my husband or what his time or whatever. I have to make those choices. So I think that is something that was even an eye-opening experience for me getting into marriage was like, oh, I'm not always going to want to love him. Oh, I thought that when we got married, we would always want to love each other. And I think that's just a misconception because love takes work Mm -hmm. and love is hard. Mm -hmm. And love means I have to put my own desires down. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I don't always want to put my own desires down. I like to hold pretty tightly to them most of the time. (laughs) And so loving in a marriage, um, it takes work. But when both people are willing to come to the table and say, you know, I'm going to choose to love you when it's hard. And I'm going to choose to love you when you upset me. And I'm going to choose to love you uh, when you're stressed. That is when I think marriage is so beautiful because it's this picture of us saying, look what Jesus can do in me. Look what Jesus can do through me is that because of the Holy Spirit, I can love someone even when it's difficult. And that is a picture of the gospel right there. That's good. Oh, you guys, this is so good. So a follow-up question to that is coming to mind. As singles, you know, especially with the reality that singles are becoming our becoming or staying single later and later in life. People are getting married at later ages. What are some things you guys would suggest and how we can practice loving sacrificially even as singles right now? Because I think that's so important. Y'all, I can do my life, you know, like I am good with my Mm -hmm. routines and taking care of myself and setting boundaries. And I'm like, I'm good. I could take care of me. But when it's often when I start dating and I'm in relationships, I'm like, wait a second, (laughs) this is, woo, this is hard. And I've never been married, but even just serious relationships, I mean, it brings up things that you don't have to face at all the time just as a single person. So anything you guys would suggest even um, that may come to mind and how we can start are outworking some of this experience, like experiencing and practicing sacrificial love. You know, what comes to mind real quick when I think about that is we live in a culture where it's really easy to bail when things get hard. And so even in friendships, 
if it's difficult, if there's a disagreement, if we're not on the same page politically, if we're not on the same page with these, you know, mm-hmm. 25 theological statements, then we <laughs> can just bail and we don't have to invest in that relationship. So even thinking about singles, even with your friendships, like how are you, like I said, that first Corinthians 13 was not written to married people. First Corinthians 13 was written to followers of Jesus. And so as a single person dating, what do those statements look like within all of your relationships, not just romantic relationships? Yeah. And I would say too, for singles, we always encourage singles not to idolize marriage, but to say, okay, if marriage is in the cards for me, that's a good thing, but it's not, it's not the best thing. It's not like the thing that I'm put on the planet to do. And so if you realize that, that marriage is, is just a thing for some people, then you can go, oh, wow, I can actually be a very um, effective like lover of people as a single person. I can be a sacrificial person. I can be a, a minister to people, whether that's your job or not. I have the, the moment and the space in my life to exercise all the things that any other person can do, whether they're married or not, and do that in singleness, right? And to not just kind of keep idolizing. I think in American, especially Christian culture, we've made marriage kind of like an idol like who are you going to marry one day what kind of what kind of what kind of girl (laughs) do you want to marry in the future uh and forgetting that like well a lot of people weren't married um our savior was uh, a 33 year old single man and he was the most content and passionate and zealous person that's ever lived and so to be okay with that right and just um to not be constantly looking for what's next, um, I think is, is really important. That's so good. You guys, I love that. I think it's so important. We just start practicing the, you know, the fruits of the spirit or practicing loving, like it says in first Corinthians, like right now, how do we sacrificially Mm -hmm. love our neighbor, our family member, our friend, the, I love what you said, Jamie too, about just people with different political views. It's really easy. Mm -hmm. Cancel culture, all the things right now. It's like, ah, well, I'm done with you. And yeah. it's easy yeah. to do that, to be honest, as a single person. It's easier not to say it's easy, but, you know, I can close my door. I don't have to talk to anybody if I don't want to. And it's just me, myself and I over here, you know, like, bye, I'll get new friends. See ya. Uh, but what does it look like to engage and seek to understand and get curious and be patient with somebody who has a differing opinion of us and and have uncomfortable conversations Right. There's so much pressure to like, who's, who is the, the woman you're going to fall in love with, or who is the man you're going to fall in love with? And, and really like asking the question, how do I, how do I fall in love with my neighbor? Who's very different than me. And I don't mean fall in love romantically, but I mean, how do I be a generous person that has the love of Christ to every person around me, my coworker that looks and thinks differently than me, all those things stack up way before you ever think about how can I fall in love with the future spouse, right? Being a person that is loving is so much more important than just spending all your time thinking about who am I going to fall in love with? Because then when you do fall in love, you've learned how to actually love people in the way Christ wants you to. Wow. That's profound right there. And challenging me as I'm thinking of some of my neighbors, <laughs> literally, yeah, right here, where I'm yeah. like, hello, yeah. mister, that have been really loud lately. Okay. Um, but, you know, just <laughs> things like that that you start thinking about. All right, you guys, this has been so great. Well, I want to move into one of the hot things that we are, I knew we were going to discuss today. Uh, you bring up Ephesians 5 in, in your books, which is some fire already because we got lots of thoughts immediately with Ephesians 5. And I I read through both of your chapters on, well, you talk about it in different places throughout the books, but I thought it was so great. 
And um, I love one of the things you said, Jamie, you said this, I needed a partner that would both lead and follow in certain circumstances. And being a dating coach, I I see a lot of things. <laughs> Woo, a lot of things, lots of people with different theological mm, backgrounds yeah, sure. and just, you know, everybody coming from different places. And dating already is hard enough. We don't have a set of quote unquote rules, but then you have people that have different ideas of how what it should look like for the man in the relationship, what it should look like as the woman in the relationship, even just within the Christian world here. And so I just I would love to open up this dialogue um, about what your views are on this and how you guys have balanced this role of the, you know, quote unquote, man as a leader, woman following the man. Um, yeah, just would love to open up the dialogue for you guys to share it here. Sure. Well, I'll start, but that me starting is not implying anything. But I can, I'm the one that has that. to start. Yeah, don't read, read that at all. Uh, I mean, I think the two big buzzwords, especially in Christian culture with, um, with context of marriage is the two words lead and submit. And um, both of those have gotten such a bad rap in our culture because we've all been around bad leaders that have taken advantage of that role of leader and it's been oppressive or it's just been power driven. It's been out for their own good. And then we've also seen the word submit be used in a very, very unbiblical sort of way where submission means uh, that there's a sense of uh, less dignity and less worth, less value. And really, like what Jamie and I are so passionate about is like stripping all that away and going, okay, well, that's not what that Bible is actually talking about or saying. But for me to be called the leader or to have like a headship over the home does not mean that I'm in control. It does not mean that I'm the one that makes all the decisions. It means that the Lord has like put a, a crazy, and I don't know why, but he put a responsibility on me to be a shepherd. Like a leader is so much more about a shepherd than it is a dictator or a king or a CEO of a household. It's to be the lead shepherd, the lead lover, the lead submitter, the lead servant, the lead forgiver, the lead repenter, right? My role is to kind of take the first step and then to come alongside Jamie and elevate her, prop her up to make sure that she's being all that God has called her to be, right? That's what true leadership is. The example is the leadership of Jesus. Jesus never came to oppress people, to put his thumb on people, but he came to liberate people. So his leadership looked wildly different than what we typically call a CEO or a president or a leader, right? His was one of servanthood. He was marked by servanthood. He came to serve, not be served. And so when we're thinking about dating or we're talking to, when I'm talking to husbands, I'm like, man, you got to like totally change your perspective on what it means to lead your home. To lead your home means you serve your home. It means mm. you are the first person to take the first step in elevating the other people in your in, in your family, right? Christ laid his life down. So husbands, you're literally laying your life down. And that's a radically different view of leadership than most of us were taught and what we see in normal Western kind of culture. Yeah, I think it the 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 church for sure has kind of diluted this concept that is actually really beautiful that God set up in the, in his word and through Jesus as our example within marriage. And so it's been taken and it's been, it's been twisted and turned and trampled on and made a lot of times made given a lot of power to men and made women feel a lot less than, and we just read the scriptures and go, well, we don't see that anywhere. You know, you know, you brought up Ephesians five and it says you know, before the verse about wives submit to your own husbands, it also right above that says, 
everyone submit to each other out of reverence to Christ. And then it says, wives submit to your own husbands. And then a couple verses down, it says, and husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. So we see this example of, of women submitting to their own husband as Christ submits to the father and Christ submitted to the father because the father was love. And the father had his best interests and the father um, was pouring out love on him. And then that is Aaron's job in our marriage for him to, to, to lay down his life for, for me, for his family. And so there's this idea that this being harsh and, and archaic and um, demeaning, but actually when Aaron is loving me as Christ loved the church, and if Jesus is our example for everything, Jesus loved to death. I mean, literally he loved all the way to dying for his people. And so that's a love that honestly is unattainable for us. I mean, we, it's, it's just, we can't Mm. do it, but we can emulate it and we can try to be imitators of him. And that's what God is calling husbands to do for their Mm. wives. And God is calling women to submit to their own husbands, not all men. Um, you know, like we talk about leading and following in the book and there's been many times in our marriage where I have let out on things. So it's, a it's, Submission is not this idea of there's no voice in the home. And it's not this idea of Aaron makes all the decisions. It's just an idea that, you know what? God has put a covering over our family and Aaron is held responsible for that. And honestly, I think that's a rough job, babe. You got to stand up and be responsible for me. (laughs) I don't know about that. But um, we want want marriages to see the beauty that God put in marriages this way. And the reason that it's not beautiful sometimes is because there's a misunderstanding. I think I've never said this out loud. I think there's a misunderstanding of what this, the power that this gives a husband. And so then everything gets diluted within it. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's interesting too. we talk about Ephesians five, like it never says husbands lead your wives. It says husbands love your wives. Mm. And uh, I don't know where we got that from, right? There, There is, again, it says like you're the head of the wife. But being the head of something, having the responsibility of shepherding doesn't mean, right, that I'm the only leader in our family. There's so many times that Jamie has led us toward adopting kids uh, from Haiti where that wasn't my idea. That wasn't my, you know, the thing that the spirit said to me first. He said it to her first. And then I came alongside that. And even as the head of the household, as the scripture says, man, I totally jumped into something that God led her in first. And so, yeah, I think when you kind of like make it too simple of, okay, who's the leader and who's the follower in the household, you've really like stripped down the Bible to a way that it was not intended to be. Because I am called to be a follower, a follower of Jesus. And also a follower, sometimes when the Spirit speaks to Jamie, I need to follow the Spirit's leading because he speaks to her just like he speaks to me. And in the same way with who is the follower in the family, uh, who's the leader in the family, it's it's both. We have one leader in our household, and that's Jesus. And we're both called to submit to him over and over and over again. Yeah, when I read that, and you guys say this, you're both tethered to the Holy Spirit, and therefore you're not worried about someone taking advantage of the other because you trust that God is working through the other person. I was like, yes, this light bulb moment, like you're tethered to the Holy Spirit. You're not worried about the other person taking advantage of you. I think 
for somebody who has been unfairly taken advantage of as a woman by men and by male leaders and church leaders, like, and that's like a whole other story and other podcast episodes, like there is sometimes this, the feeling of being like submissive or of following. It's like, wait a second. Ah, like because of the trauma there, because of mm-hmm. people who have yeah. really abused those yeah, circumstances and put totally. bad labels on what it means to shepherd well, you know? And so I think that when, uh, you know, there's a lot of knee jerk reactions when we hear the words follow, lead, submit, especially the word I would say submit, we're like, ah, and I get it. I get the, the trauma response within that because it is underneath that is something personal for me. And then underneath that is for collectively just a lot of trauma across the board with women being silenced and not having a voice and expected to do things just very specifically. And so I think I love though, that you guys are reframing this to say, what did, what did God re- originally design for this to look like? And how have we moved away from that through, you know, a misuse of power? And actually, I'd love to touch on the fact that the importance also for the male is, I mean, I think for the woman too, but is to have the accountability. So can we talk about that too? I think that is one element that is so important to have some sort of accountability to some authority or else it could be dangerous as well. Sure. I mean, the truth is everybody is submitting to somebody, right? For it to all work out correctly, everyone is submitting to someone. So Jamie, as a wife, she's not the only submitter. I, like I said earlier, I'm called to be the lead submitter, right? I take the first step in demonstrating what submission looks like. And so I have elders in my life. I'm an elder at our church, but I also submit to other elders, right? So people have access into my life. They know what my browsing history is. They know where I'm spending our family's money. They know where my travel schedule is, right? I'm submitting to an authority over me um, that uh, that keeps me accountable, right? And when, when husbands kind of go rogue and they think, okay, well, I'm the head, I'm the leader, nobody tells me what to do, and there's no accountability, that's when abuse of power happens. Just like in an abuse of power in an organization or a company, right? When there's no accountability and checks, power can always kind of have no restraint. And so in a marriage, man, they're, they're, I have restraint. I have so many boundaries and so many fences around my life that hold me accountable and keep me kind of aimed at being a shepherd that would actually be worth my family wanting to follow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I just wanted to touch on that because I think it's so paramount in this discussion of, you know, yeah. leadership and following. And and again, I want to bring it back to what you guys said, the a partner that will both lead and follow in certain circumstances and rebalancing it. Because I love that, Jamie, that you've led your family to these, you know, like to adoption and how beautiful that is, you know? And it's like that we just, I mean, Jamie, you are a powerful woman and you're leading a business and a podcast and all these things and an author and you are shepherding people as well, like in your own way, in your own community and how, you you know, that is beautiful and there's nothing wrong with that identity, I think, as a woman. And so just kind of like framing that there, because even me leading a ministry as a single woman, I've gotten some flack on that, you know, from men like that are like, uh, we can't respect you because you're a woman. I'm like, sorry, what? No, 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 no. <laughs> And that's not, that's just like, that's so anti what we saw even in Jesus's ministry. Yes, He had plenty of women that were with him in his ministry that followed him around, that went to every town with him. Paul in Acts speaks of women leadership, you know, and, and Jesus actually, you know, the first person he sees when he, you know, is resurrected is a woman who sends her out to go tell people. And so 
I listen, I can get all I can get all hot and bothered and sweaty about this conversation because <laughs> that's not how Jesus led his ministry. He right. did not lead his ministry with the men in the front and the women in the back. Um, and so yeah. I'm I'm cheering for you. Keep yeah, leading your ministry. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you guys. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's like I need to say that because like I'm helping the people. There's a this wide span of people listening to the podcast. And I'm just like, y'all, I mean, already you're listening to my podcast. If you're a guy who believes that, then thank you. I mean, you're challenging your mindset already. But <laughs> um, I we just needed to say that too, because I see so many strong females in my life where um that are, that sometimes they push against this because of just some of the abuse they've endured by men and male leadership, but there's a beauty here that just needs to be healed. Like this, this conversation is to be discussed and to, to provide healing for us to really come together and understand how really God did design this in a beautiful, beautiful way. So you guys, I, I'm just so grateful for both of you. We end every podcast with the same question that I'm going to just briefly ask you right now, uh, which is, and you've shared so many nuggets already, but the, the final question we always end out on is, what is your final nugget of dating advice for the listeners today? Final nugget. We have very, we have a lot of dating friends in our life right now. And so <laughs> yes. this isn't a nugget that I'm just throwing out for podcasts. These are the things that we actually say in real life. Build your dating relationship on friendship. Like take the things out of dating relationship that don't let you accomplish just pure friendship. Take sex out. Don't let it be about infatuation. Take out dreaming about the future and planning your wedding. Just root it on friendship because friendship is the essence not only of dating, but when it turns into marriage, that's the thing that you can always lean on. Here's my final nugget. It's the things that I'm beginning to ask our children as they get into the dating ages where, well, our oldest is 17. And I will ask my son often, what do you love about her character? And I think that that is important as you're dating someone because character matters um, and character is sustaining throughout years. And so what do you love about their character? Tell me something new that you love about their character because that matters in dating and it matters in marriage. Yeah. That's good. Oh, so good, y'all. Love those bomb drops. Okay, you guys, where can everyone get compliment, connect with y'all? And this is so good for everyone listening. This is an incredible tool. I want you guys to pick this up. Um, no matter if you're single or dating, this is going to really help you. I'm a single person. I really enjoyed these books. So want you to get them. And Jamie and Aaron, where do they find the books right now or connect with you guys? I'm so glad you loved them because our hope is that even as a single person that you'd be able to look and see, man, what does marriage look like? Because yeah. Because yes. it's hard to date if you don't know what marriage looks like. Yeah. Uh, you can find the books anywhere you buy books. So Amazon, Target, uh, Barnes & Noble, Lifeway.com. And then you can find us at Aaron and JamieIvy.com. And you can also find all the information about the books there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as you were saying that, Jamie, I was like, well, yeah. I mean, if I am taking, if I want to be a star athlete, like I can't just show up and then know how to do soccer, right? Like I want to practice and study how it's done. And like, I think that's why reading books like this is so important because it's like, I'm preparing myself. I don't want to just jump in with no clue of what this thing's going to look like. So I think it's so important that we equip ourselves with tools like this. So anyway, y'all are awesome. Thank you so much for joining me on The Heart of Dating today. Thanks for having <laughs> Thank us. You. Yeah, we really appreciate it. <laughs> 
Well, y'all, we did it. I love Jamie and Aaron Ivy, and yep, we did. We sure went to Ephesians 5, and I just loved how Jamie and Aaron broke that down for us in such a palatable way. You guys, this verse has been so taken out of context and has been so manipulated and misused and abused, and so I'm just so grateful for both Jamie's heart and Aaron's heart and how they are attacking this topic in such a holistic, healthy, and beautiful biblical way. I hope this conversation encouraged you. And you guys, like I said at the beginning of this interview and during the interview, I want to go ahead and encourage you to check out their books, Compliment. This is an incredible tool to use right now in your season of singleness and dating. Okay, y'all, what an episode. I just love that we get to hang out here each and every week. That's it for today, and I will see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. 